It's true. Everyone knew the end of Judas, the betrayer, in Jerusalem. We'll talk about it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hip, And I'm Janice. This is Bible Discovery TV, a program designed to take you through the Bible. That's Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the whole Bible in one year. And in this day, we're in the book of Acts. This is fascinating. Luke writes this as well. Ryan is here to tell us what he's doing, right? Well, today, Peter delivers a powerful sermon in Acts chapter 3 following a miraculous healing. But Acts 3 verse 1 gives us a detail that explains why Peter's approach to his audience was so powerful. Very interesting. And Janice, what'd you do? Today, my segment's called United in Prayer. All right. Very good. That's very important. Also, Pastor John Williamson is here with us. How you doing, Pastor? I'm doing great. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. So we'll talk to him in a little bit. Teachings in about five or six seconds. But right now, let's get directly to the program. Acts 1, 12 through 22. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether the number of names was about a hundred and twenty, and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that field is called in their own language a caldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 22. Acts chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. That's what we read today as we go through the Bible in one year. It's very exciting. Soon we'll come up in December on the end of Revelation. That's going to be very good. But you know, many have argued over the fate of Judas Iscariot, his fate. Some have claimed that because God orchestrates all things and that his will is for salvation for everybody, then Judas must be in heaven. 
The proof is that the Bible records his remorse over betraying Jesus up to those who wanted to kill him. But others claim that there is no way that Judas was forgiven and is now in heaven because he was a traitor against God. He deserves to spend eternity in hell. And his last action was, again, to take matters of life away from God into his own hands. Let me tell you the truth. Truthfully, we don't really know where Judas is because that decision is not ours. The best priest, most religious people, the, the highest order of business, the Pope, that's not his decision. He doesn't know. It is God who judges the hearts and the intents of men. Now, what we do know is that Simon Peter felt that the disciples of Jesus Christ needed to replace Judas with someone who was of like mind, who had been a witness of Jesus and had been taught by him. The book of Acts chapter 1 reveals how the disciples moved forward after Jesus had ascended to heaven while they were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, or as I like to say, while they waited for the promise of the Father. That's what the Holy Spirit actually is. This is a really good version of what we're talking about today. Now take your Bible guide out. This is a really good one. And as we study Acts chapter one, let me also say that you can get your Bible guide if you don't have one, why not? Call us or write to us or go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a page. Thank you for your donation that keeps us going. And it'll take you to a page where you can download it in a PDF file, just exactly like it's printed. And we teach from the Bible guide because we try to highlight the word of God. We, we highlight what the Bible says so that we know it. And we're on in many places of the world and we simply are exposing God's word to people so that they can see it. They can read it and study it with us. It's very, very important. All right. So as we turn to the failure of Judas, let's pray. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, that you would help us, Lord, to understand exactly what it is that you're saying to us today. So many people are wrapped up in who is in heaven and who isn't. and We really need to pay attention to ourselves. We need to focus on what you have told us to do and do it. Help us, Father, today to hear your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. Amen means make it so. All right, so let's begin to study in Acts chapter 1. Let's begin with verse 12, and let's listen to what was happening and what took place. Then the disciples, they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord. They had the same mind. They continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Okay? So we learned that the family of Jesus was together with the disciples after he had ascended to heaven. Beloved, we must all be convinced that Jesus Christ is God, and then we will change. A lot of people say they're Christians, but they're really not. 
Because a Christian is somebody who follows Jesus Christ. And how we react, actually how we act is one thing, but how we react is quite, quite it's very easy to act like a Christian, but very difficult to react like a Christian. But we need to understand that when we follow Jesus Christ, it is because he is Lord of our life and he has changed us. And a true Christian is somebody who truly has changed their life because the Holy Spirit has come in when they invited Jesus Christ into their heart and begins to work with them. Very, very important. We need to remember that. Let's read from verse 15 to 20. This is interesting. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples altogether. The number and the names of them was about 120. And he said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all of those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that the field is called in their own language, a caldema. That is field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. Now, this is fascinating, okay? Because Peter's highlighting the scripture before that was fulfilled. The end of Judas was known to all in Jerusalem. The end of those who hate God will be made known to those who love God. Everybody who hates God is going to be known by those who love God. There's going to be a clear call, and it's happening right now in the world as we are on this program broadcasting this second. People are either coming to know Christ or they're moving away from Christ. We see that. A huge split all over the world, and that's all part of the end times. Now, here's what we know. Acts chapter 1, verse 21 says this. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all in the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Now that's important because I, I need you to remember that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the testimony and Jesus Christ is alive. I like to say it this way. Uh, when I pastored the church, I would say good morning and welcome everybody to the church. The Lord is risen. Because I Sunday, I get together with all the people and I celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you? Hopefully you do. Because you have felt the power of that resurrection in your spirit. The power of who he is in your life becomes very important. And so, beloved, I would say today that if you don't know Jesus, and you don't know his resurrection power, I got to tell you, you're really missing the, the, the truth because he saved us and he saved you and he saved me. And if you want to know Jesus, pray this way and say, Jesus, I need to know resurrection power. There's a lot of things on me right now and I need your help. Come into my life and be my Lord. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. 
Help me, Lord, to believe I need you today. I need you right now. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today our reading is Acts chapters one to three. And my segment focuses specifically on chapter three in which the apostle Peter gives a powerful sermon following the healing of a man who had actually been lame from birth. And certainly while the miracle was the main reason the people were so receptive to his message, Luke in Acts chapter three, verse one, records a small but important detail that we can easily overlook if we're not careful. And this detail helps to explain Peter's approach to this particular audience of people. Check it out. In Acts 3, Luke records how Peter and John, while on their way up to the temple, met a man who had been lame from birth. Though money was what this beggar was expecting from them, on this day he received the unexpected. Simon Peter, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, uttered those unforgettable words, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This miraculous healing stunned the masses and provided a perfect opportunity for Peter to deliver a very effective sermon. Another thing that made his message so powerful, though, was the timing of this event. Notice that before Luke even told us about this healing, he first established when it happened. He says in Acts 3.1 that Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. While this detail may seem trivial, it is actually a key to fully understanding the approach Peter took with his audience. This miracle occurred during the ninth hour, or three o'clock in the afternoon, which was an hour the Jews dedicated to prayer. Also important to know about Jewish life is that prayers were instituted in the synagogue to correspond with daily offerings of the temple. There were morning prayers, mid-afternoon prayers, and evening prayers. These specified times of prayer were adopted following the destruction of the first temple to replace the sacrifices. So, according to Luke, Peter was delivering his sermon during the regular mid-afternoon prayer. But why is this detail important? because Peter knew this and capitalized on it by opening his sermon with a quote from the very same prayer the people had just been praying. He says in Acts 3.14, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. By invoking the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, Peter is drawing from the central section of the mid-afternoon prayer called the Amidah. So, in essence, Peter is saying to them, the very God to whom you were just now praying to has glorified his servant Jesus, and it is through him that this poor beggar has now been healed. It was a powerful sermon delivered at precisely the right time and in just the right way. This is a good reminder that although certain details in the Bible may seem trivial or irrelevant to us, they are there for a reason. 
so it would do us well to dig into the details. So as was just illustrated, details, even small details in the Bible are important. In this case, the detail regarding the timing of Peter's sermon explains the specific approach that he took. Peter gave this message during the standard Jewish afternoon prayers. And so by beginning his message by quoting from these prayers, the people had just been praying. He was able to really get their attention. This coupled with the indisputable fact that a man who had been lame from birth had just been healed by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the power of Jesus Christ brought thousands more to saving faith in Christ that day. And to that, we have to say, praise God. Yeah, it was really interesting. The first order of business was the 3,000 in the church, and then it got to 5,000, yeah, and that was just in a few for days. For sure. And, uh, it Peter, was really growing. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Peter, I mean, this is the man who denied Christ three times, and yet now, full of the Holy Spirit, he's preaching like incredible. That's right. I mean, that's the difference, you know, with and without the Holy Spirit, right? Absolutely. I mean, very, very important. Totally agree with that. Janice? Yes, well, United in Prayer is what I called my segment today, and the one way that I could describe Describe the book of Acts is that it highlights the work of God through the Holy Spirit in the lives of people who devoted themselves to Jesus Christ. And we see in this first chapter of Acts a very important upper room prayer meeting. And we see that that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. There are other women that are there. The, the disciples are gathering together in one accord and they're praying. And it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. If prayer wasn't important, you wouldn't see this here. Everything, everything that we read in the Bible has an importance. It has a place. And so still today, we must devote ourselves not only to Jesus Christ. He is the one that is our Lord. He is the one that we follow after. He is the word. And that's that we need to get that into our hearts. But personal time with Jesus Christ, with his word and in prayer is vital to us as individuals, but also corporately in prayer with one another. And, and you know, Pastor John, you're visiting with us today. And that's something that I know that you teach in the church that you pastor, because Rod and I attend there as well as Ryan and his mm -hmm. wife, Jasmine. We attend your church and we so appreciate the word of God that is being uh, fed to us. I always say that I feel like I've eaten a meal when I come, it's a spiritual meal. When I come to Faith Gospel Tabernacle in the mornings um, and, and oftentimes we'll go at night, Rod's more devoted to the night times as I am, but, um, I always feel like I've been fed the Word of God, and you always articulate the importance of prayer, both on a personal level, individual, but also as corporate, because a lot of things can be accomplished through prayer and making sure that we're making the right decisions. Absolutely, so, absolutely. One of, yeah. one of the things that, that we have to go into when you talk about personal prayer, personal reading, you come from a family, it's a great family, but you come from a family who did not know the Lord. Right. So... How, I mean, you did the, the brigade, the boys' brigade, was it called? Boys', boys brigade. brigade. Boys' Brigade. Okay, with the medals and all that. We saw that yesterday. How do you now get involved with the church, and how did Jesus Christ come into your life? When did he become more than a name to you? Well, I think what's amazing, my mother told me that when I was born, that the nurse that delivered me prayed over my life. When we talk about prayer, 
there was a godly nurse. So, so but before you even lived, before, you were just born. Were I, I was born with prayer. And amazing? I think God has a plan and a purpose for all of our lives. And that God is always watching out for us. And therefore, it was my destiny. Uh, that God had. And so then, of course, you know, at that young age, getting, you know, involved in the church, even though my parents didn't go, it seemed to be they made sure that we went to church, my sister and I, that we would go, even though it was mainline churches. And one of the reasons we went was just to get our little book stamped. I don't know if you remember that, but when you, you would go, you get a little stamp on your book uh, for your attendance. And if you were there, you know, four weeks out of the month, you would get a little gift, you know, and that was our purpose at that time. Unknown to us, God was working in our life, though, and setting the stage uh, for so, down the road. So they had a book, uh, like a passport, if you would. Correct, yes. And and you, when you went to church, you got it stamped. Got it stamped. Boy, they were something else. That That's awesome. So how did you meet Jesus Christ? I mean, this is a personal relationship. Oh, de definitely a personal relationship. The great thing was because of religious education and so forth in our schools, and it's so sad that we're not seeing that today, but it, again, it sets a foundation in our life. We knew about God. We knew what was right and what was wrong. And uh, so therefore, we knew the Bible. We had the scripture verses. We had to memorize scripture verses. So we had the church. We had it happening within our local schools, which was, again, setting forth the path. But then what happened was, just as a young man, uh, we were standing on a street corner. There was about 10 of us as young men, because we used to play soccer and all kinds of things in the local park. And we were standing in this street corner, and uh, these two gentlemen came by and offered us a gospel track. And they simply said, look, we're, we're going to be having some church services in the local uh, hall, uh, you know, community center. We'd love to invite you. So here's the details along with the gospel track. Well, of course, all of the boys that were hanging around, you know, were making foolery and stuff like that and whatever. But for somehow, it stuck with me. And so when I took that little brochure home, I decided that I was going to go and take in the services. They were going to last for five days. And uh, so each evening I took in those services. I, I was touched. God again was preparing my heart. You know, God has a destiny. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And uh, so I went night after night after night, but I didn't make a decision. But here's the good part. The special speaker who was from Scotland, uh, he was an evangelist and he was there, he was ministering. And uh, it happened to go into the cloakroom afterwards and we were in the cloakroom and, and he turned around to me and he, he, he said to me, he said, son, I was young back then, 15 years of age. <laughs> he said, son. I said, yes, sir. He said, have you ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, I knew enough that I couldn't lie. Because again, of my boys' brigade, church experiences and so forth, I said, no, sir, I haven't. And he said, would you like to receive him tonight? And right there in a, in a cloakroom where the floor was just stone on the floor, you know, we knelt down and I invited the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. 
That was amazing. So and it was real. How did you feel? It was like a ton of weight. Now, I was only 15. I hadn't really done too much wrong by then. But there was a ton of weight just seemed to lift off of my shoulders. And there was a peace and there was a joy that flooded into my heart. And I just knew that I knew that I knew something changed. that something changed. So, and, I, and it's been different ever since. So this is fascinating because you've, you've had the to pray over you when you were born, okay? I'd like to find that nurse, and you know, <laughs> this is the investigative part of me. I like to find <laughs> anyway, but uh, pray over you when you're born, and then through your young life, your parents, who didn't really know the Lord, made sure you went to church because they knew that was the good part. And then you go to this brigade because they are this uh, event because these gentlemen hand out these these uh, flyers, yeah, and they're kind of making fun of it, but you had it in your heart. Yes, yeah. So you went. Now you go down, and God, get you, you're not making a decision. You go, you go, you go, but you're not making a decision. No. So you go to the cloakroom, and uh, there's a man who comes in and confronts you. Jesus Christ used that man to confront you. Correct, yes, yeah. So Jesus Christ always has a way yes. of getting at everybody. They've got to make a decision. Yeah. There's no excuses. There's no, none of us have any excuses because God gives us every opportunity for us to accept his love and his goodness. And you could have just as easily said no. Yes. Well, none of the other young men went, not one of them. Now, the good news is there was several of them that got saved later on in their life <laughs> as well. So, their appointed time. Their appointed time. <laughs> God's appointed time. And for that's them. important. There's an appointed time when you come Absolutely, to the yes. And so that becomes very, very, very important. Now, you're in Ireland. Yes. For all this. And you're in Canada now. And you're pastoring a church in Canada. And things have happened, obviously, a lot. And on the next program, I promised you last program we would do this, but on the next program, we're going to talk about It's going to keep you church. coming back. I'm telling you, it really is. It's just great to have Pastor John here today. Anyway, but uh, on the next program, tell your friends and tell everybody, because this is, this is going to be a really good program. Right now, let's get back to the program and praise. Thank you for praying with us today and all the people who write in and give us their prayer requests or email in and give us their prayer requests. We put them on the air because praying is such a, a critical part of our faith. Now, remember, we pray three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30 on Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery TV. We're there live, so join us. Today, let's pray. Father, I celebrate the fact that you are alive. You rose from the dead. Praise the Lord. 